Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are, with me as your host, Sarah Poet. Now, if the word sacred is throwing you a little bit, that's okay. Have you had that moment as a modern woman where you went, wait, I left something of myself back there along the way? Well, if so, then you're already on a path of sacred remembering and you're actually in the right place. We know that modern women are rising, but we don't do it by fighting. We do it by remembering who we are and standing in that truth. And here in this space, we remember together through stories and tools and curiosity. And in doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. Now let's begin. Today's guest is Deb Shapiro. For over a decade, Deb has had the honor of developing talents and businesses of some of the top-tier keynote and motivational speakers in the industry. In 2017, Deb shifted her focus to emerging speakers. She created a speaker development experience called DebX, designed to show emerging speakers how to use their voice as a powerful instrument of change. Through onstage appearances and videos, DebX has touched tens of thousands of lives and counting. Her next priority is to give voices to those silenced from oppression and misunderstanding. And her first initiative under this umbrella is to break the silence of women that have been exploited through sex trafficking. As you'll hear today, Deb is a true humanitarian, and the impact of women sharing their stories is beyond measure, as we know. When we share our stories of silence, we bring power to truth-sharing and expression and the true stories of women, rather than leaving the power to the horrors of abuse and trauma, like sex trafficking. Today, through this interview, I honestly feel like I made a new friend. It's such a warm and inviting interview. Thank you, Deb, for being here, and thank you, listeners, for being here as well. I know that many women listening have stories that you're not yet sharing. I would imagine that all of us do. When we are ready to share, we're ready to share, and you don't have to be ready before that. But it's my authentic hope that you'll derive inspiration from this interview. Please also know that I have an online program called From Silence to Truth that is a trauma-informed coaching method for women to gain the courage to step into your voice and your truth in a safe way. And you can find this for only $99 at sarahpoet.com. Please enjoy the spirited conversation as we traverse Deb's own sacred remembering path out of corporate into supporting speakers and now into this amazing work with women. Um, You'll hear how she continues to follow that heart spark in her decisions and now more than ever. Please enjoy. Thanks for being here. Hi. Beloved, so I'm adding this little clip. I 
asked you a question on Facebook this week. I asked, how does your body respond when you are afraid to speak your truth? What do you notice in your body? And here are some of the responses that you gave me. My blood is on fire and I'm afraid that if I open my mouth, I'll be completely alone. It feels like I'm shrinking while my adrenaline kicks in. I guess it's that fear of being killed by others for speaking my truth. Yes, that's a very ancient and legit fear. I feel tight, one woman said, frustrated, constricted, My jaw tightens. I start frantically cleaning the house, pacing. I wiggle my toes and my feet rhythmically. So that's some really close noticing of what the body is doing. One woman said, my throat hurts and it feels tight. And then she says, it rarely happens anymore though. One woman says, I get nauseous. My heart races. I have anxiety. One woman gets rashes. One woman said, my body contracts. I am guarding my heart. I feel frozen. So you can hear that these are trauma responses. These are fight or flight responses that are happening in the soma, in the body. So I really want to come on here and really normalize this, that there is a somatic uh, tightening, a a somatic constriction, and actually a trauma response that is evoked when we talk about sharing our stories. So while it sounds like a really good deal to, you know, this idea to open your mouth and share your story, it actually requires working with the physical embodiment to really bolster the body's resiliency. So not just a mental resiliency. Okay, I'm going to work up the courage and I'm going to share my story now. But really an embodied resiliency that you can safely bring the expression through you, up through you and out of you. So I am really, really passionate about this. As you heard in the last clip, I have this little um, course called From Silence to Truth. And I've also created a one-on-one program that is specifically about unleashing your inner truth in a trauma-informed, embodied way. So if you want to really be able to go from shaking in your boots and all of those uh, kinds of reactions that I was just reading for you, you know, reach out to me. There's, there is the potential that this program is for you, especially if really owning your voice is a goal for you in this lifetime and you have really somatic reactions to the thought of using your voice. And I know (laughs) I can relate to everything that everyone said in that little Facebook research, because every single one of those things used to happen to me. And it has been something that 
took a while to cultivate. So it is my absolute pleasure to serve you in this way. You can go to sarahpoet.com and look at the one-on-one services and download the entire information sheet and reach out to me if you'd like to apply for the program. Um, We can really work on a lot of empowerment work for your whole life as we're talking about your strength and your commitment to coming into using your embodied voice. So thank you for being here. And without further ado, here's Deb Shapiro. Mm. Hey, Deb, welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast. It's so good to meet you. Oh, nice to meet you as well. Um, I heard of Deb X through a friend of mine who was on the podcast way back at the beginning. She was episode eight, Christina Sloan. Mm -hmm. And Christina did a Deb X speaking event. And when I watched it, I was like, holy shit, this is the real deal. And so from that point forward, I was like, I want to meet Deb. (laughs) (laughs) The women behind the vision. Oh, I love to hear that. She, Christina is an amazing woman and uh, the story is actually a, a pretty amazing story as well from my perspective. And I, I'll let her tell her story, but it is a, a great story. Yeah, I will put the link in the show notes for everyone, but it was such an amazing and vulnerable thing, just a completely courageous thing that she did. So I am imagining that Deb Shapiro is a very courageous woman herself. Uh, So it's wonderful to have you here for this Mm. conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So will you introduce us a bit to, you know, who you are and what you do professionally and, um, and we'll just go from there. Yeah, sure. I'll give you the sort of the 30,000 foot view. And then I'm sure as we talk, you'll get to learn a whole lot more about me and who I am more specifically other than what I've done. But, you know, my background, um, I've been in the speaking world. I've been an agent, business manager, and an advisor to keynote and motivational speakers. And I've been doing that over the course of the past dozen years. And I actually got into it because I had the privilege of working alongside with my brother. My brother was a keynote speaker at the time, and I was in the position of looking for some work, and he said he needed somebody to partner with. And so 13 years ago, I think it was, is when we originally partnered. And uh, if I may brag, he was inducted into the Speaker Hall of Fame back in... Mm. 2015. So he's had a really great success. And and because of that, I've had an opportunity to work with some of the top-notch speakers in our industry today. And it's really been a blessing. But about four years ago, there was really a major shift for me. And I decided that, you know, I, I loved what I got to do with these, these big name speakers. And I got to learn a lot, but really where my passion was, where my heart was, was to work with what I've referred to as emerging speakers. These are the individuals who know that they have an important message in their heart. They just don't know how to necessarily get those words out, put them together and get them out for the world and give them a platform to be able to deliver it. And so four years ago, we ended up creating a program called DebEx. It was actually something devised in a uh, training program that I was in, and I call it my... um, 
my divine download. <laughs> uh, it was the, I understand that. Yeah. I bet you do. <laughs> it was the craziest experience. And probably I would say the first time I've noticed that experience, but it was, I'm sitting there. I was, I came in with a project that was different that I wanted to take on in this program. And when I found out that my project didn't fit the criteria, um, I allowed myself my 30 second hissy fit to not like what I get handed to me. Uh And at the end of it, I just said, okay, well, this is what's so now what? And literally what came to me was the idea of DebEx in its entirety. And I hadn't Mm -hmm. thought of it before, hadn't done it before. Um, And it just made sense. It was kind of what I call a knowing Mm -hmm. to be able to move forward with. And four years ago, we started DebEx and it has been growing ever since. And so what DebEx is, is an intensive training program. It's three months in duration for those individuals who know they have a message and want to know how to craft it. And then at the end, they get to graduate by standing on a stage and delivering that message to an audience of hundreds and have their voices be heard and, and make that difference. So our our mission at DebEx is that all voices are heard and make a profound difference in our communities and around the world. So that's what I've been doing for the past four years is, we, is doing DebEx programs, having people stand on stages and deliver their messages. And uh, where we're moving into next is um, being able to give voices to uh, women who have been silenced due to sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. And so we've kind of taken a little turn. I can share more about that, but that's really where we're at today, finishing up one of our shows next week um, on Wednesday. And then we're going to be shifting right into giving voices to these women. So that's what I've been doing for the past dozen years. Before that, I was in human resources consulting in uh, corporate America and have worked for some major corporations and ran a, a human resources consulting firm in Chicago. But that's kind of my past history. That is uh, all of that fed into who I am today and what I've been able to get to do today. That's so fascinating. Thank you for sharing. And I have so many questions branching from that. I want to go a little bit deeper into like who Deb was in Chicago in these um, corporate settings, in the HR settings. And so you began a speaking career. Were you a speaker (laughs) or were you just, (laughs) were you like a personality that had it in you to be a speaker? I mean, when your brother needed that help, what, what was that like for you? That's actually, that's such a great question because um, for me, so I'm, I'm 53 and there's kind of life before 50 and life after 50 is kind mm-hmm. of how I look at it. And I don't know if 50 is something special. It just seemed to happen at that point in time in my life. But prior to 50, I had some very big lofty goals. You know, I wanted to be in corporate America and rise up the corporate ladder. And I loved the, I wanted the big house and the fancy cars. And I loved with the being running with the jet setters. And I loved that life. That was what, what served me, what I loved. Um, And so I was never, I was always in the limelight. I always wanted to be in the limelight. So speaking was something that was very natural for me. And in my career, I had done 
10, 15 years of training and development where I had created and delivered training and development programs within corporations. So I was very comfortable and familiar with speaking and have spoken at numerous events myself. However, I would say it's it's really funny to look at that person that I was. Um, all of what I did, I think, uh, gave me the training, the development, the, the perspectives that I needed to have today to create what it is that I'm creating in my business. Um, but I'm a very different person. I'm not motivated by those same things that I used to be motivated by, by um, which I would kind of, I look at them as superficial, not like in a bad way, but very at a surface level. Um, it didn't feel like it went to my heart. Those things were being done more because I felt like I needed to do those things. Society said I needed to do those things, that my dad was a successful um, executive in a company. So I wanted to be a successful executive and I wanted to have my parents be proud of me. And um, I just was wired by doing things in a way that I I was a chameleon. I lived the life that I thought everybody else wanted me to live. Mm. And I lived the perfect life. I really did. It was a, it, it felt perfect to me, looked mm-hmm. perfect. Everything I was doing was perfect. It worked for a while. <laughs> it worked for a while. You know, yeah. it certainly had its, it had its moments for sure. Mm-hmm. I can say that standing here and looking back. Sometimes it right. didn't feel so perfect in the moment, for sure. For sure. And on this podcast, we talk a lot about these journeys of, you know, we find ourselves in these jobs or you know, following a path and then we kind of do become older and wiser and say, well, this is not working for me anymore, or this is more aligned. And we start listening to those divine downloads, right? But I I really heard when you said, you know, everything on that path led you to where you are today and feeds where you are today. So there wasn't like a mistake along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just, it's all part of um, of this path that I think is divine. So, yes, I, I, um, I definitely am a believer and it really wasn't always this way, um, in that bumper sticker that we always hear, which is it's the journey, not the destination. Yeah. And when we get to the destination, we're basically six feet under is, is that, that specific destination, at least yeah. for this body, depending upon what you believe in. But it's, um, yeah, it, it is the exploration and the discovery while we're here that every single thing that does happen. My dad taught me at a young age that everything happens for a reason. And I always took that as a good thing, mm. that if something mm-hmm. did happen in my life, that it was meant to, meant to happen. Didn't always see it in the moment, but for sure, um, you know, I have lived my life because of, you know, that philosophy. I've lived it in a very, it's much more peaceful living it in that way. Oh, yeah. Uh, what a profound lesson. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very, very simple. We hear it all the time, but when you yeah. really get it, it is very right. profound. Yeah. Right. This question, like flipping the, why is this happening to me to how is this happening for me? Yes. And, and looking at life like that. Wow. Yes. Okay. So Deb X, um, you know, we're talking about this life path and then speakers come to the stage and I could just project myself right into this scenario because I always want to say 
everything, right? Like, I, you know, I try to do a five minute Facebook live and it's like a 15 minute Facebook live. And, yep. so, <laughs> and so you say, you know, if you had eight minutes to share your message, how would you do that? What would it be? And I would love to hear more about how you do take people who are ready to share these life lessons and ready to, to get their message out, how do you help them pare it down to eight minutes? Mm, that's actually a great question, but it is honestly one of the most common things that I hear from speakers who are coming into the program is they're always saying, I have so much to say. How am I going to say it in eight mm-hmm. minutes? Um, the reality is, first of all, is if you can't say it in eight minutes, you're going to lose your audience. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, a, I'm terrible. I love to talk and I use way too many words when I talk and I can be very verbose and go off on tangents. But for the most part, if we have something that we need to say, it's really important for us to be very clear on what our message is, very clear on what the new view is that we want our audience to walk away with. And if we're clear on that, and then we make sure that we only put in there what's absolutely necessary to make that one point, then we're going to be okay. Then we can actually have a shot at being clear, concise, and maybe even compelling. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If you can't say your message in eight minutes, then you're saying you're saying way too much. Mm. Um, okay. Can I yeah. just? I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I, I need ahead. to like confess because I have an 18 minute TEDx, mm-hmm. and they were like, "We are going to cut you off at 18 minutes in the video, right?" Mm-hmm. And so I actually was. I mean, I had the hardest time in the process and, and preparation for that because you're like, what's well, a TEDx? I'm going to stand on the stage. I'm going to, I'm going to say my thing. And oh my gosh, was I going to get every last minute that they were going to give me? And so I actually went over and then I had a say in the editing process. And so I was able to decide like which, which minute, you know, got cut out. Um, but I think if you, you know, it's like 1801 on YouTube right now, <laughs> yeah. you know, I was just like, I, that's, that's how long it's going to take. So, yeah. So I just do <laughs> my confessional. Oh, I understand. very hard for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I, that's so funny. It is uh, Ted talks, the greatest things. They really helped us to skinny down our messages. It forced us within 18 minutes to get our messages out there. And then there are other programs that even if you watch it on videos, you can get so much inspiration just from two, three minutes on a video online, yeah, yeah. right? For sure. You don't need the whole enchilada. Now we, I know Sarah, you have a lot of knowledge. You have a lot of background. (laughs) You have a lot of information that you want to get out there. So what I always recommend speakers to do is to identify what's the one message, Mm -hmm. the foundational message that all your other messages can build upon so that when you speak, you can just tie those in and add those pieces together. But there's a, you know, if you think about it, um, really what it is, our job as speakers is we have one job and one job only as a speaker, and it is to alter the view of the audience members that are sitting in the audience. Because if they leave and they still have the same view of life, they're not going to take any new actions in life. 
right? right? All the actions that we take in our life are correlative to the view that we have. If we like you, we're going to be nice to you. If we don't like you, we're not going to be nice to you, right? We have, mm-hmm. we are going to react in a correlative to the view that we have. So if we actually want to compel people into action, we need to change their view. So one of the things that we need to do is with the topic that we're talking about, be very clear on what the view is that our audience is walking in with. Okay. Because your job is, and that's what we call the norm. Mm -hmm. And when the audience walks out, we want them to have a new view, not the norm that they walked in with. Right. But you want them to walk out with your new perspective. And so by picking one message allows us to do that. And there's actually a structure, a very simple structure of a talk that you can do for any talk that you want to create that has it be complete and whole from start to finish. And it does look like things like, what is your message? And what is the norm in this area? What are people actually doing? Even though, you know, so if your message is that you should forgive yourself and forgive others because it's great for your healing. So if that's one of the messages that you have, you're making an assertion if you're talking about that, that that's not the norm. People aren't walking in that way. Otherwise, if you're already talking about something people are already doing, then, you know, it's probably not very exciting. Mm-hmm. You're trying to shift something. Mm-hmm. So when mm-hmm. people come in, what's the norm that you are shifting? And then you need to make people present to the impact of that norm. So if you're not forgiving yourself, what's that actually like? What does that feel like for you? What's that like for others in your life? And then we actually need to do the reflection to answer these questions. And that's what actually builds our talk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and and then you know, that's pretty much those are kind of the components. And then we look at what's the difference your message makes. Right. Really succinct. And and so, and we're talking about people who um, they're coming to DevX because they have the, the personal experience and they want to become speakers. They want to become motivational speakers or do they want to simply you know, have that experience of getting on stage and not simply, that's not simple. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually that's for some, that's why they do it. it. You know, there are, yeah, there's so many different reasons. When DebEx first started, I, I saw the, the recipe for helping new speakers emerge into the market. Mm-hmm. And do it in a more rapid fashion. And that's what DebEx does. We put you, we give you an intensive training to have a very tight, clean, powerful talk. We put you on a stage and then we we professionally record you. And then now you have a recording that shows you on a big stage. It creates the image that you are in fact, a big stage speaker, right? Because you are. And Mm -hmm. so what we're doing is shortcutting many years of process of being able to get it onto that big stage so you have that credibility, right? Right. And so it's it's pretty, you know, it's a a pretty neat process that we go through. Um, But yes, it was intended and designed for those that want to shortcut the keynote speaking process a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, there's some people who do it just because it's like that, 
Ironman triathlon or a marathon or something that is a big, stretchy, hairy goal. Because for most people, we've heard the statistic. I've never actually checked it out if it's true or not. But they say that uh, public speaking is the number one fear and death is number two. Mm-hmm. Um So with those statistics, I would imagine that standing on a stage is a big, hairy goal for a lot of people. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Some do it for that. And and many, um, they just want to be able to get their message out, like not out into Mm -hmm. the world, out of their bodies. They want to know it is, we say in DebEx that we don't just write talks, we become them. Mm. Oh my gosh. So true. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually, the next question I want to ask you is about coaching, but I'm going to share a little story um, first. And so where I was on my path, my life path and my career path when TEDx came in, I don't know if I've shared this story yet on the podcast. So here comes like a vulnerable share. Um, I was in a dark night of the soul and I am a projector in the human design I don't know if you're familiar with the human design. I can't. I, I am a projector as well. You are a projector as well. The, the yes. speakers on stages are probably yeah. <laughs> often yep. projectors, I would imagine. And um, so we're supposed to respond to invitation, right? Like this divine invitation. And a friend of mine reached out and said, I had almost just learned about the human design. And a friend of mine reached out and said, um, TEDx applications are open and I want to hear you tell your story on stage. Mm-hmm. And I knew in that moment that it was the divine invitation. I have chills as I'm sitting here telling the story yeah. two years yeah. later and um, or a year and a half later. And so I knew that that was the invitation. And I said, you know, I applied and, and, and all that and, um, you know, was selected as one of the 10 And from that point forward, now I talk about soul a lot and how our soul says yes to things. And then we go through initiations. And this is, this is how I talk about personal growth, you know, from this, like, what's our soul up to? And I would say that that sort of like the time portal from getting that invitation to being on the stage was the thing that got my ass back up, right? Mm -hmm. Because I was in this dark night of the soul. I seriously did not know what I wanted to do next. Like if I wanted to give up on the mission, if I wanted to, you know, which doesn't sound very uh, courageous in this moment, but that's where I was. Mm -hmm. And that process of preparing for the TEDx was almost like my... Um, my rope up and out because, well, and my coach. Now, there was a, a dear friend of mine. Her name is Essie Silvers um, here in Asheville. And I met her because she coached someone else through his TED Talk. And, and so that's how I met her, actually. And I said to her, well, you know, I think it's time for you to um, coach a talk on the feminine if you are like, you know, working with this man. And she said, I agree. And so she was my coach, but voluntarily, right? Like TEDx did not provide yes. coaching. So what I would love for you to share, all of that to say, these people that are coming to your stage are going through this personal 
experience because they're facing the biggest fear or they're, they're just in a process in their own soul's journey. And so in addition to speaker coaching, how do you provide, it's almost like that soul support, social, emotional growth-based support. Like, you know, how do you deal with the emotions that are coming up um, with, with the folks Yes. In this process. Yes. There, there's a lot there here. So let me see how I can answer that for you. Um, so one of the interesting things is if, if you think of DebEx as a container, the container itself has a lot of different components. It has uh, group training, which we were doing um, this, this show that we're doing next week. Actually, it's really funny because we were doing, uh, we were in the middle of doing a, a DebEx and two weeks later is when Corona hit. So we ended up having mm. shift gears and go online. Mm-hmm. Um, and so eight months later is when we are actually going to get a stage for our speakers Got here. Um, but what's interesting about the, the process is there is the training. There is one-on-one coaching with me. We have uh, 25 coaches actually who okay. support just 15 speakers on our stage who have been on the DebEx stage before. So they mm. share a lot of moral support about, yes, I was there. Mm -hmm. Yes, I know what that was like. And yes. Um, But what's the the coolest thing that people actually get has nothing to do with me, has nothing to do with the coaches, has nothing to do with the training. It is putting themselves into a container for 90 days Mm -hmm. where they are focused on something that's important to them. We all have heard the saying that what you focus on expands. You know, you buy it. I bought a Fiat a couple of years ago, and I swear they must have had a sale on Fiats after that because everybody had <laughs> Fiat, right? You know, yep. you know that phenomenon. Well, that's what takes place in Debex. Is but we're not. We're asking you actually to look at that most important thing in your life, your message, what you, if you could stand on the rooftops and shout it out to the world because you learned something in your life that made a difference and now you want to give that away. If you focus on that topic for 90 days, you can't help but have your life transformed. Because what ends up happening, and it's really funny, people think it's woo-woo, but it's not. So what happens is, so we had a a couple who spoke on the stage together, mm-hmm. they, they, they took a spot together and it was really great. And I remember one day they, they, we had a coaching call and literally the very next day they're on a plane, they open up a magazine and there was what we were talking about in black and white in print, just what we were talking about in the magazine. So, and, and it happens almost every day that you're in the program where all of a sudden magically mm-hmm. things just start to to appear related to your message. And you start to also notice where you might be living your message or you might not be living your message. So my message Mm -hmm. is that all voices are heard, right? Debex is my message. And sometimes I don't allow my own voice to be heard. I'll silence my own voice. I'll notice that. And I'm not living my own message. So I play games and take 90 days So if there's something that's not singing in my life, that's not working, I will literally play a game for 90 days. 
and see what I learn and discover in that period of time. Because uh, I know that life will have all sorts of things that it'll offer up for me that I didn't notice before because I wasn't focusing on it. So right. that's really the benefit. So people come in here sharing these stories of their of what they've learned and their passion. And Debex, just as a a side note, there's only two rules on the Debex stage, and it's actually very fundamental to who we are. The first one is that there's no egos on the stage. Hmm. And what we mean by egos is that that we're not standing on that stage for self-serving reasons. We're there because we want to make a difference for others. Mm-hmm. We want to take what we know and give that away, package it so that they can use it. The other rule is that now we want you to, of course, everybody should, hopefully all boats rise in the water together, right? You know, Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with benefiting from standing on that stage, but really we're about making the difference for the others. And then the other one is that no one is diminished on the Debex stage. Mm. So we don't ever have to tell our stories by pointing fingers at others and having others be less to make our point. Mm -hmm. We don't even need to make ourselves look less. We -hmm. definitely don't want to make ourselves look less like by complaining on stage or, you know, not having something resolved. So Mm -hmm. when we get on that Debex stage after really dwelling on our message for 90 days, we've worked all that out. We've become our message. We actually can see where we're living it, where we're not, and we're human about it, and we're going to fall off our message from time to time, and then we're going to get right back on it again. So it's really Mm -hmm. highly transformative, and you don't have to do any kind of a Debex or anything else to get that benefit of that transformation. Just pick a game. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've played a game 2016. I played a whole game of exploration and discovery. Mm. And the game was that if something came into my path that I hadn't done, I had to do it. I had a lot of of judgment about things, um, especially in the world um, where I'm actually dwelling more now. Those things that people might have otherwise considered to be woo-woo. I would be judgmental of that and would uh, basically say, yeah, no, that's not for me and not even try it. Mm. So in 2016, the rules of the game were I had to do everything. And I ended up dating a guy at the beginning of that year. And I ended up dating him the whole year who was into energy healing. Mm -hmm. And that was my first foyer into energy healing. And I ended up meeting some people that who I would otherwise in the past have said, there's no way I am going to do any of what you're sharing with me. That is just weird. But I did them all. (laughs) And I literally have had so many miraculous transformations physically, emotionally, mentally in my life and other people's lives. I literally saw miracles performed. And so um, I just kept playing that game. <laughs> that's a game you want to stay with. <laughs> that was a game that really quite worked for me. And I honestly believe that that was when uh, the, the Debex was able to be born out of right. that. Because I learned. Oh, wow. Yeah, of course. Four years ago. Yeah, it was, it was uh, 2016, 2017 was when Debex was born. Mm, and and so, then you learn to trust. Yeah. Like you were learning to trust what was happening and what you were being sort of presented with. It, that's it. I do. That is that is a perfectly stated. I live my life 
trusting what comes there. I, honestly, right before us, you should have, I wish I could have shown you a picture of what was going on with my computer. I could not get email to stop scrolling through all my thousands of emails that are in my email. It was possessed. So I couldn't click on the link to be able to join you. And I'm sitting here <laughs> five minutes before we have to get on. And I'm thinking, how am I going to resolve this? And I'm thinking, this is not what I want. But I really, seriously, it was, uh, even in that moment, I got that, all right, there's something here, something here for me. And the best part about being able to, you know, in the middle of all the craziness is to just be able to get represented to the awesomeness of really the life that we all get to have. And I just trust trust what comes and we're here together. So I guess it all worked out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much. And you were talking before we hit record about the timing and, you know, not knowing if you were going to be able to log on and, <laughs> you know, this like, oh my gosh, why did I schedule this right now? I have a performance next week um, and or an event next week. And yep. then being like, oh, wait, I'm just going to trust. And it, it really, it really is. I know, uh, I think I mentioned this to you before we hit, you know, we started recording. Um, I know that this conversation is going to have a lot of juice and energy for the speakers that are going to be on the stage next week, because just talking about it um, and and taking that walk into the awe of life just makes me get out of the, I know life is amazing, but sometimes when I get busy, like in these times, I'm just coated with things to do that I can't even see the, the amazingness of life sometimes, but I know it's there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and this was a really great opportunity to take a pause during all of this craziness. Cause normally I black out 30 days before an event. And so here we are only like four days. Um, but I truly see this as a blessing because I'm I'm just re-inspired <laughs> through this conversation, and I know I'll take this back to the speakers. Awesome! I really find that somehow my trust in timing is almost—it's like some of my greatest trust. Um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of magic in the Sacred Remembering Podcast. I don't understand it. Obviously, if we're putting our message out there, if we're putting our voice out there and showing up and women sharing stories, it's going to have ripple effects that that we don't see. Um, so I don't see or experience or hear the messages of a lot of the magic. I would love to hear more, by the way, if anyone listening wants to share it back. <laughs> but uh, that's really fun to hear it back. But oftentimes there's, um, and it happened with, with this interview as well, I'll share, but there's often something that is going on in my life. And then I sit down to prepare for the interview and I'm like, oh, this is what I've been thinking about. And then, I mean, this has happened more times than I can count. And then by the time it airs, like four or six weeks later, there's been another sort of integration, another level of integration for the topic that I'm able to reflect on. I mean, it's just pretty wild. So the what happened with this episode is that um, I've actually been interested in learning more about sex trafficking because, you know, I have a a son 
and we like, we'll drive on the highway and I'm always like, no, you can't go into the, into the like highway restrooms by yourself. Like just no. And he knows that that's my hard no, <laughs> you know, like yeah, you have, yeah. you still have to come into the woman's bathroom, but you know, I think it's, and then I, I heard another um, story told about it. And I was like, good grief. We do not hear enough about this issue um, and the roots of it and, and why it's such a problem and things like that. And so two days ago in my car, I was listening to a podcast on this because I am just like, no, we need these, we need these voices heard. We need to really be educating ourselves about what's happening. And then like, this is now your upcoming mission. Yes. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> Yes. You know, another divine timing moment, but I would love for you to just share more about that, where that inspiration is coming from, what, whatever you want to share with this audience about that mission. That's uh, actually the question I'm going to, I'm going to tell you a story and I think that it'll answer kind of uh, Mm -hmm. several questions that, that you had asked, but um you know, it's it's interesting because I, I, like I said before, I kind of trust what happens in life, and obviously we've been going through a a unique time in our history with COVID mm-hmm. and, and all of the tensions that are going on in our world. So certainly we are in new territory, at least in my life, I can say that for sure. And so when COVID hit and we had to go online, um, I was, <laughs> admittedly, I was a little little pissy about that because as much as I knew right. that was somewhere I. Really needed to take my business if I real if I wanted to expand outside of the walls of Arizona, you know that was really the way to go. I just didn't want to, to be honest with you. And so when COVID hit, it actually forced my hand because we were right in the middle of a show. We were right two weeks into it, and I did not want to leave these people without having their voices be heard. So we found a way, and we ended up going to online to do the training, which was truly a blessing because we were able to prove that we were able to do exactly what it is that we do with other DebX's live, but we were able to do it online and we have the template to do it. So it allowed that opportunity to now invite people to participate who weren't necessarily physically located in the Arizona area or who were willing to fly out to be a part of DebX. So we knew that that was going to be a great opportunity, but you know, after this show was, you know, we kind of uh, took a pause. Um, I really looked at the remainder of 2020 and I said, you know, I I don't think I'm going to do any more shows for the remainder of this year. I'm just going to sit it out for whatever reason. My, I was just reading my internal barometer Mm -hmm. and um, somehow I, I was I was having a conversation with one of my girlfriends, just a powerhouse woman, and she was retiring and was a little bit skittish about pushing the button, so to speak. And so we were having a conversation and I was asking her about her future and said, you know, what do you want to do? What do you want to do after after you retire? And she's like, I, I really don't I don't know. She mentioned she wanted to make a difference for women, um, young girls who, you know, the suicide rate had been shooting up and she was really concerned about that. And she just said, though, I have no idea, though, how to help them. I, mm-hmm. You know, I really don't have that background or training, but I would love to do that. And I asked her, she's a good friend of mine. I asked her, I said, well, I knew her background. She was someone at a very young age who had been sex trafficked. Mm-hmm. And um, I asked her, would you be interested in writing a story, you know, writing your talk. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, that way, if you do meet somebody, you already have kind of all that information there and ready for you. And you could do it with whatever you want to do it with. And literally, like, as soon as I made that recommendation, her hands flew up and she says, I don't want to talk about that. Yeah. And it really shocked me when she said that because I got... Um, you know, she's a badass. This gal is like, if you knew her, you, she is the badass of badass women. Yet something almost 50 years ago that happened to her in her life, still she can't talk about. She's been silenced for, for, for being just who she is. And it's absolutely was heartbreaking for me. And it was in that moment that we decided, because as I mentioned before, our mission is that all voices are heard. Right. And make a profound difference. And so I was like, wow, these voices are not being heard. We need to make, we need to have something. We need to do a show specifically for these women. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned before about sort of the trusting that things are happening and things unfold and sort of almost the magic and the miracles and the serendipitous nature of things. Mm-hmm. Um as soon as that, I we, we played around with a couple other ideas before that, but it just, they never really went anywhere. And I believe that my path certainly doesn't have to be difficult. I don't choose the difficult path in life. I want the easy path. And so we looked at some and I figured if, if the circumstances just get too difficult, maybe it's just the wrong timing or not for me. Mm-hmm. So I tabled a couple other things, but when this came about and the idea came to me, it was like a thud. And um, I was talking to my boyfriend, Joe, about it. And I was saying, you know, I don't know anybody else who's been impacted by this. I wouldn't even know where to start to find women to give these voices to. Mm -hmm. And he knew somebody that he had taken a class with that he believed had been impacted by it. And, And I knew who she was, but I couldn't remember her name off the top of my head. And I was asking and I said, you know, um, who was that woman? Who? Where did she go? You know, that was about a year ago. And she even said she might want to talk at some point in time. Well, wouldn't you know, literally the next day, I got an email from her. Wow. She was living in another country. And she said, and I quote, I'm ready to have my voice be heard. Wow. And so then, then the next day, I get a message, a text message from somebody I had met about 10 years ago. And she said, I've been following your DebExes and I think it's time I want to apply now. And I was thinking, oh, poo, you know, we're not having any more shows right now for people to apply to. But I figured I would, you know, set up a call and and talk to her. And as I was having that conversation with her, she mentioned, you know, what she's been doing. And she said she was working with a nonprofit organization and said, I'm not familiar with them. What is it that they do? And she said, they, uh, they support women who've been prostituted. And I said, may I ask why you're interested in this particular cause? And she said, cause I was prostituted as a young girl. I was an Epstein girl before there were Epstein girls. Hmm. And I just, I mean, literally day after day, after day, after the idea was planted, so to speak, I was receiving phone calls from people uh, like that miraculous thing. Once we've set our mind to it and we start looking for it, the universe, it's like a giant buffet. If we know to look for it, we're going to find it. And uh, it really has, you know, everything that's happened. My my business partner in this, um, we were going to do a different event. Her, Unfortunately, she had some personal circumstances that happened. 
And when she came back three weeks later, she texted me and she said, I hope we can still do the event we were talking about. I really believe we need to do it. And I was devastated because we were now moving away from that event. And uh, I texted her and I said, you know, we're going to be doing an event to support giving women voices for sex trafficking. That's kind of what's come up in the past few weeks. And she's like, did you know that I supported helping to change legislation to help eradicate sex trafficking? I was like, all right, the universe clearly wants us to do this. And so it's... um, I am not, I will say, I'm not an expert in that domain of sex trafficking. And I'll say that, thankfully, I grew up in a beautiful, easy life with a wonderful, two loving parents. And so I'm the furthest thing from understanding that world. And I acknowledge it, but we've partnered with people who do. Um, And we have, uh, we're filling up the team of women who are ready to stand on that stage and share their personal stories. And, and, you know, sex trafficking, I'm a, I consider myself to be a pretty intelligent woman. Um, But when I started to dig into understanding this very complex circumstance, it was just really overwhelming and and frankly, very humbling. Um, So I, I can't answer the questions for you of how to abolish sex trafficking. That is, that's actually not my specific mission, but here's my mission. My mission is to give voices to those individuals who have been victimized, who are survivors of these kinds of circumstances, to have their voices rise up and hopefully in solidarity have other women, other individuals who have been impacted to be able to step out and and be able to step up and share courageously their story. There is a freedom in being able to share that story. And it doesn't have to be on a stage in front of hundreds of people. It might just be getting the story out and unlocking that uh, no matter who we are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's our endeavor. We're going to be doing that at the end of January. January Mm -hmm. is uh, Sex Trafficking Awareness Month. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to try to get that in for the end of the end of the month. And we intend to have about eight to 10 women speak at this event about their circumstances. Uh, But it's not about focusing on their story of what happened to them, but Mm -hmm. about what have they learned that we all can benefit from that has them be that survivor in this world because they've clearly learned some tough skills in life that you or I probably haven't had to necessarily thankfully go through, but they've learned some lessons that we could certainly all learn from. And so uh, it's about education. It's about them breaking out for themselves and they're knowing themselves as being a powerful woman to create. You know, we use our voice as an instrument of change. Absolutely. And that's, that's what we're, that's what we're creating with these women. So that, that's what we've got going on so far. And it seems mm-hmm. like the universe is just keeps providing and saying, this is the direction. So we keep yeah. going in that direction. Oh, it's beautiful. I have like body chills of uh, truth bumps right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the, you know, breaking the silence, that's a figure of speech that we've heard for a long time, but I think every woman has a story, like you were saying earlier, there are things that you don't say. 
And there are stories that we don't tell. And I know some really courageous women have women have come onto this podcast and told stories that they have not told anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And then there's this process of, um, you know, I get the email that's like, okay, I had a total vulnerability hangover. Holy shit. Are we sure we want to air that? And I'm like, no, that was really good. Believe me. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, and then, and then like their lives change and others' lives yeah. change, you know, and, and women sharing stories. It's really, really powerful. Like you said, it really um, demonstrates an amazing amount of resiliency mm-hmm. and like this true, um, I don't know, not heroism, but, but yes. And, and so much more because like, these are the bravest stories in the world. Mm. Mm. I had an aunt sit me down and explain some family history that had always been a mystery to me. And after I heard her story, I thought this is the bravest story I have ever heard in my life. And she has no desire to like write a book or get on a stage, but it was the bravest story I've ever heard like mm-hmm. the most courageous story of, um, of survival and reclamation that I've ever heard. And she did not do it for ego or fame or, or anything like that. You know, it was like pure, I'm going, I'm going to dig myself out of this. And so, um, yeah, there's just, it's like the true grit and resiliency in stories, uh, like this. Um, and we know that, it's very scary to share them. So thank you for providing the, the stage, but also the support mm. um, for, for the women who are coming on to share their stories. Very yeah. powerful. It's, um, you know, there's one, you know, I don't know if we have time, but it, there's, there's one story that really stands out. You know, there's so many. Yeah, please. Every, every story stands out, actually, because each and every one is a triumph. Everybody who stands on that stage knows themselves as a different person because they did it. They actually right. got that message out there. But they were vulnerable. They put themselves, you know, on the line and, the, and they let their own truth be known to the world. Um, and it's very liberating. It's scary for sure, but it's very mm-hmm. liberating. And there was one woman, uh, one of the earlier DebExes, where she had written her talk, beautiful talk, very powerful, one of the first ones done. But in the middle of the program, she came to me and she said, I, I feel like I need to add something. I, I didn't, I'm, I was missing it. And, um, and that thing was that she had personally been uh, sexually abused by, mm-hmm. by a family member. And her whole message was about uh, eliminating the victim mentality and being able to do that just through your body posture. Hmm. And, you know, when she first wrote her talk without the story of what had happened to her, it it was missing something yeah. because, of course, she would be if she can get out of her victim mentality, anybody can, given her right. story. Right. And it was so inspiring. And it was, you know, at the end of the show, she gets off and we go into the lobby and all of the people are you know, hundreds of people are mingling in the lobby. And this, this one woman in her sixties came over to her and said, you know, may I get a picture with you? And she said, yeah, of course, of course. And so they took the picture and she said, well, may I ask 
why you'd like to have a picture with me. And she said, I too, as a young girl was molested and I have been walking around for the past 65 years of my life as a victim. And I want to get this picture as proof of the day that I've given up being a victim. Oh, wow. Absolutely. So that's what her eight minutes did, even for just one woman. And so we don't know all of the stories of the hundreds of people who hear the the stories of the people on stage. But if you know that you can make that difference in somebody's life in eight minutes, like, why would you not? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So beautiful. And um, yeah, I'm I'm percolating my own personal takeaways um, from this conversation because I think uh, there's there's so much fear in sharing voices for so Mm -hmm. many reasons, right? Like for so many reasons. But what you're speaking to and the mission and this new focus on the sex trafficking really speaks to, no, this is also how we heal. And so, you know, there's not an ego on the stage. There's not someone saying, I got over this. This is like, I'm sharing this story so that you can share the story so that you can share the story. And, um, and this is how we break silence. And this is how we end things like sex trafficking. <laughs> because it can. It better than I do. Beautifully stated. <laughs> yeah, it can't exist if we're talking about what we keep in the dark. Yes. Um, yeah. 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 Well, Absolutely. thank you so much for this mission of, of having every voice be heard. Mm, thank you. Thank you. It's It's been... Um, it's actually an honor. It's a, it's a privilege. Sometimes I, I feel like I don't want to do it. I don't want to take on the responsibility that I feel like is, is being presented. But then one of my speakers, I learn every day from every single one of my speakers, but one of my, my speakers had said, you know, if we have this message, it's our responsibility to share mm-hmm. it. And I have somehow been tapped on the shoulder to, I have the skills to do what I do. Uh, I have the passion to do what I do. Um, so, and, and it seems to be bringing the value. So I'm just going to keep, keep moving that forward uh, as much as I can and have those voices be heard because it truly is my honor and my privilege because the only way that I can make a difference that the, the difference that I want to make is through the voices of others. Yeah. So if they're powerful, um, then I can be powerful because that's how I make my differences through other people's voices. Yeah. So beautiful. Thank you so much for your mission and so much for your work. It's so good to meet you. Thank you, Sarah. So good to meet you as well. Thank you for listening to this interview. As we shared in the interview, I would love to hear your stories of what sparked after listening to this interview or a sacred remembering podcast interview in the past. What divine connections did you make? What realizations did you have about your own life and your own path of sacred remembering? How is this podcast and women lifting up their voices helping you to embody your own courage, to live your sacred remembering path, and maybe even use your voice to tell about it. You can leave a review at Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and I would love to hear your authentic story.
This is Sarah Poet of Embodied Breath, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway? Remember that you are not alone on the sacred path, and women are rising now together. You can visit my website, sarahpoet.com, for more tools and inspiration to support your sacred remembering path. Please be sure to check the show notes, subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend, and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I love to hear from you. Stay connected, and here's to your path of sacred remembering.